Esports is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. And this is the podcast where we talk all things branding, marketing, sponsorship, and events. I'm Rebecca Langawa, founder of Happy Warrior, and I'm an esports brand builder and strategist. Join me as I discuss the world of marketing and esports with some of the top experts in the industry. Welcome to the future marketing in esports. Welcome to the future of marketing and esports. I'm your host, Rebecca Langawa. And today with me, I have Arda Okal, my best friend, Canadian superstar, ESPN host, and an all around swell guy. Hi, Arda. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, best friend. How are you? <laughs> Good, best friend. <laughs> when I was little, I had, I had a best friend who was like a couple years younger than me, and we wanted people to think we were sisters. And we'd go to the grocery store and we would say, Come here, sister. Okay, sister. Like we thought people would think we were sisters. So I'm just going to call you best friend. So best friend, how did you get, like, how did you get into like hosting and broadcasting? Did you know when you were growing up, like, were you the one who talked at school all the time and was like shunned into the corner and told to be quiet? And you just knew that you were destined to be the face of something. I, not to get too philosophical, I think it came from never being able to get a word in edgewise. I think I was really bad at like talking over people and my parents were very talkative. So I never got a word in. And so I think like by being on television, it was almost like no one's going to shut me up here. If I'm talking to a camera, no one at home is going to tell me that I'm talking. They can change the channel. Sure. But I'll never know. Like I'll be able to talk uninterrupted for a period of time. It's going to be amazing. Like this is going to be great. I think that's where I honestly think that if I were to like go deep into the psychological mind, I think that's where it started. But growing up, I never had, I didn't think it was possible to have that job. I actually didn't know. Like I I, I thought that I was going to have a normal job and maybe that would be a hobby or just something that I really enjoyed. Like I never wanted to be an athlete growing up. So obviously I grew up in the eighties and nineties, right? Like there were no esports back then. The only competitive gaming that you saw were like Nintendo world championships that happened like once a year or something. Right. We, I always, I never wanted to be an athlete growing up. I never wanted to be a hockey player. I never cared about competing in that glory, winning a world championship. Yeah. It seemed cool and everything, but to me, I cared way more about the people holding the microphone and talking to those athletes afterwards. I thought that that job was the coolest thing ever. I wanted to know everything about them. I wanted to know how they got their job and be able to get that job, you know? Yeah, no, I know. That's amazing. I remember the first time I worked on a project with the Timberwolves and I was at an ad agency and being like more excited to meet Tom Hanneman, who was like their, their host and broadcaster at the time than like Kevin Garnett. Yeah. Like personally, just because like Tom Hanneman, he was like Emmy award winning, just so locally beloved and on all of the different media platforms, you know, social wasn't really a thing at the time, but he was on like a lot of different radio program highlights, news clips. And I thought he was so cool. And we recently lost him. So it's, it's been sad to to see, but for me, like, I never knew that I could have a career working in sports. I didn't really understand that, that there was an entire support ecosystem around a pro team until I was working in advertising and my client was a pro team. And I was just like on 
on fire for it. I feel like go, when you go to school, especially for us, we grew up like before the, the internet was a thing and there wasn't YouTube videos. Like you just didn't have an insight and they don't teach you about those types of jobs. When did you learn like about what that process is? Was it when you were still in high school? Were you in college when you like the light bulb came on that you could pursue it? So I, I went to school for something completely different. I have a degree in math. Like I, I, even after college, I didn't think that I was going to be doing broadcasting at all. But while I was in college, I did like the local radio station, the campus radio station, and then like the campus newspaper. And I caught the bug, but even in doing that, and I spent a lot of nights and weekends, like instead of going out and partying and like going out to the clubs or whatever, I'd go to the radio station and like sit in with the host and like, just like, Hey, what are you doing here? Why'd you press that button? Why did you transition like this? How do you find the songs you want to play? How do you find the topics you want to talk about? Like I was just asking a bunch of questions. Cause I didn't know, I, I didn't go to school for this. Right. I was just asking a bunch of questions based on a lifetime of listening and being fascinated by people talking into a microphone. Right. Yeah. So, so when I graduated the passion, it was just like, truly yeah, just a exactly. Hobby. Exactly. And that's what drove me the entire time. When I look back on it, I was a project manager for a few years. But then again, I found the local like Wayne's World style public access channel. It was called Rogers TV. And I went to the station almost every night and I just picked a different department. Like, hey, audio guy, can I follow you for a night? Or hey, a floor director, can I follow you for the day? And just learned through that. And then I became a volunteer. So I was like their community cruiser driver. I was the only volunteer, one of them that had a driver's license. And they were like, do you want to drive our community cruiser van to local charity events? Like this 5k run is happening. Do you want to give out pens and knickknacks or like different things? And I'm like, sure, why not? I get to talk to people at the station and they're making appearances and things like that. So I get some FaceTime with the main 6 p.m. anchor at this charity event. That's cool, right? Like I get to talk to this person and and learn how they got their jobs. That's honestly how I learned. I never got taught in a classroom. I just asked questions and learned. And so that suited me well. It took me a while to end up getting, you know, paid gigs, but that journey was was probably the most fruitful part of the journey. I love that cuz volunteerism People will ask me all the time, like how to get into esports, and especially a year ago, asking me, it's like volunteer, volunteer to run an event, volunteer to come and you know do whatever. You know, I think a lot of times there's this expectation that you're going to pay somebody to learn, you know, and mm-hmm. not every organization can do that. But if you can come in and you can prove yourself, like you clearly did, it's like you were able to get a degree in broadcasting based on your tenacity and grit, right? Like yeah, exactly. Cool. Exactly. The school of hard knocks, big, big graduate Dean's list of school of hard knocks. That's right. <laughs> that's right. But yeah, like, like that's, it's funny question. Like how do you get into esports? Like you mentioned, right? Like that's a, that is such an open-ended question. The real answer is however you want to get into esports. Yeah. It's not like your- a, there's no one path. It's not like there's a secret door and you knock on it three times and you have a a password that you get through. It's not like that at all. In fact, I would say as compared to, and you can probably, you can definitely speak to this as well, Rebecca, like other industries, I find esports to be more welcoming in many ways and more accessible. Like there are no more open Twitter DMs among high level people in any industry that exists than gaming and esports. Yeah. Yeah. And I also feel like 
there's, it really ties into your path. Like I know a lot about the esports industry. Like I know a lot of people, I kind of, I understand the industry top level, but I am hyper-focused on brands and marketing strategy on sponsorship. Uh, And that's because I have 21 years of experience in sports marketing, right? Like I took something I was already doing and and already well-versed in. I mean, I could take this skill and and apply it to a lot of different industries. And I think when it comes to, I want a job in esports, one has to ask themselves like, first of all, why? Because I've I've worked with a lot of people who really wanted to work in the NBA and then they worked in the NBA and after three years, they really just didn't even enjoy going to a game anymore. They didn't enjoy the experience anymore. So if you want to be a fan of something, be a fan. If you have something you think is going to elevate or help within within the industry based Mm -hmm. on what you're passionate about or based on your existing skill set, soft or hard skills, apply them to esports, but yeah. it's, it's not like you're going to be hanging out and chilling with gamers or, you know, it's not like when I worked in the NBA, I was, you know, hanging out with players and doing cool things. It was like, I was in an office for the most part. And we had moments where it was very exciting, but I, I think it's important for people to understand that it ties back to what they're really already skilled at. Yeah or what they're really passionate about. And if you're willing to learn for free, like you did, mm-hmm. then you're, then you probably have enough grit to convert whatever career you, you, you already had or the trajectory you were on and, and pivot and be successful. You have to, you have to want to continually learn because this is an innovation industry and it's always evolving. So complacency is never an option in this this you and i both had transferable skills right like those skills are useful in the esports space i think there's a misconception that you have to know the games inside and out no you don't you can learn along the way the thing that will be sniffed out though is that long time members and contributors of the gaming and esports bubbles will be able to sniff out somebody who is trying to come into the space simply to profit off of it and, mm-hmm. and be, be a leech, be a yeah. taker. Yeah. If you have something to provide and something to give, like your vast experience in advertising, have transferable skills as an on-air talent, as a host, as an anchor, those skills transfer into esports as well. That's a lot different than someone who's trying to come in and make a dollar and leave. Yeah. Right? And I'm really transparent that I'm not a gamer. I used to play like Tetris and Mario brothers when I was a kid and I loved it. Like I would pretend I was sick and my mom would like look for a callus right here on my thumb. Like I have like a, (laughs) so I was like so addicted to like those games when I I was like 10, you know, 11. By the way, Tetris is like year over year on YouTube. One of the most watched esports videos in their yearly tournament, they get like 10 million views for their grand final, which is insane. The game was out in 1989 and people are still watching this. It's incredible. I loved that game. And you know what? It really helped me inform grocery bagging strategies. <laughs> 14 and <laughs> I mean, is how old you can Are you good at packing a trunk of a car? Like when oh you go, God. you're just like, yeah. Okay. Puzzles. I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really good with organization and puzzles. So yeah, bagging groceries. That's about as far as it's helped me in the modern day world in my life, but I don't pretend to be a gamer. And honestly, 
if I spent my time and energy trying to understand who the top players were and every single game and the intricacies around each game, I mean, I would get distracted from doing the work that I actually can add value to, which, you know, as a, as an investment um, advisor and mentor as well, I'm always looking at things through a lens of if somebody brought this to me currently with advising for the Minnesota rocker, or if they brought it to me back when I was at the Timberwolves, is, is it adoptable? How would we communicate it? Cause sometimes there's like gaps when it comes to emerging technology. It's like, yeah, that doesn't exist yet, but are people really, really going to, I'm not trying to be an investor. I'm not trying to understand all of the um, financial implications of the investment. Like there's people that are really good at that. I think understanding really where we add value to the conversation and to the ecosystem is paramount. And people sometimes don't act or try because they feel like they have to know everything. I think being a lover of learning is kind of the biggest attribute that you can bring mm-hmm. into the space, right? And being curious. Absolutely. I, you mentioned the rocker. I do want to give them a lot of credit. They are among the easiest organizations in esports to work with. And they've done some really great innovative things. Like they have a great team too, like from Brett Diamond and Annie Riley, Midnight on the content side, all the way on down. They, the one thing that I found really interesting with them was that they were really doing a great job even before the pandemic of cultivating their Call of Duty League fan base. Like they were one of the only teams, if not the only team doing watch parties. And they had a local bar in Minnesota somewhere. And they were like like really engaging that fan base and creating something great uh, even after the pandemic, right? Like, like trying to cultivate and continue to nurture that fan base. Yeah, they had, it was really funny because one of the watch parties was at a local bar on a weekend at nine in the morning. So you're asking your demographic, which are, which probably are the, you know, the, the age of people who went out the night before, you know, this is pre pandemic. You're asking them to show up at a bar at nine o'clock in the morning and well over a hundred people came. I mean, it was really cool. And when, when COVID happened, I remember there was a lot of conversation around how do we keep the momentum going And they had a beautiful strategy to utilize Discord to do really robust Discord watch parties and take some of those really special moments like the fun swag and giveaways and just integrate them into the conversation on Discord. And I'm super excited to see how things are this season with their entirely new new roster. But they are like they're they're an A plus organization and. I I love partnering with them and and helping them grow. But yeah, they're phenomenal. You started doing a lot of of work in traditional sports as well. Hockey, I know for sure. Mm-hmm. What other sports have you been kind of entangled with before the onset of esports? Uh, at Rogers TV, it was everything. Once I finally got my on-air audition, uh, they were comfortable enough putting on camera. It was even more than sports. I actually started on a bulletin program where I was just reading local events like, hey, uh, this church is holding this fundraiser or there's this charity event or the rodeo is coming to town, stuff like that. It was like a half hour bulletin show. And then I did a local talk show, which was like a Toronto centric talk show where the local gardener would come in or the band that's coming to town, stuff like that. 
where we had like seven to eight guests. That was a lot of fun. And in sports, we had a lot of hockey teams in the area, obviously, in the Ontario Hockey League, the AHL, which is the feeder system to the NHL. So I did some broadcasts on those for several years uh, in different roles. And that really helped me the most, I would say. I hosted one game, play-by-play the next game, color commentary the next game, intermission interviews, like a lot of different things. Like that really was like my whole cycle of getting every single piece of experience in to to set myself for bigger and better opportunities in the future. But th- while I was there, I did everything from baseball games to volleyball. I did a Canadian championship uh, table tennis trial. I did what else? Uh, any any sport you can think of, honestly, I even called racing. Like I said, like I, I never knew, knew anything about racing, but the thing was, is like, I give myself a week to prepare and then I just dive in head first, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, you have a personality for that, I think. When did you start recognizing that you were a personal brand? Was it like mm. like 2010, like around like Facebook or was it a little bit later with when when Twitter kind of came? Like when were you realizing like beyond that you had followers that were listening to what you were saying as an individual and not just as a rep- a representative of of a company you're working for. I would say that began probably in the early 2010s. I would so at around that time I started at a national TV station in Canada and that's when I really started to get into the professional wrestling bubble. It was called The Score. It's still an app today, very successful. At the time, they had a national television station that they ended up selling off a couple years later, but they were very small as compared to the other two major national sports companies. In Canada, there's TSN and Sportsnet. They are number one and two. They're always competing for top dog position. And The Score was definitely the little engine that could, basically picking up the rights of things that the top two wouldn't get. And their biggest right was WWE. They had the rights to air WWE programming. And I was a wrestling fan growing up, so I knew the space pretty well. And I was at the right place at the right time. They they sent out an email company-wide saying, if you have any pitches for shows, let us know. So I wrote back and I filled out the one-page form and I said, look, sports have post-game talk shows, right? Post-game shows. Yeah. You have talk shows for certain things after episodes of television. Why not for wrestling? I guarantee you, if you aired this after a Monday Night Raw they would stick around for at least 10 minutes to hear what people in studio would have to say because wrestling fans are passionate. So that show actually started in 2009 and it was originally called Right After Wrestling. It became Aftermath. It's still on the air today, which is like mind-blowing. It's 11 years later, but I was on it until 2013 and and we created it together. And it's sort of like one of my biggest accomplishments, I guess, or something I'm the most proud of because it's like, it's tough enough to get a show on television, let alone one that lasts for a decade plus and going and, and still counting, you know? So it worked, it was good. And that's when I realized, okay, I think that I can brand myself as an authority in this space. So that's where I really learned about marketing and how to brand yourself and, and also how to use social media to my advantage. So that's where I started to really understand and grasp Twitter as a marketing concept. And that's how I treated it. I treated it as a marketing exercise. So I think my best Twitter years, honestly, were 20... I signed up in 2009, I want to say, from 2010 until 2015 or 20... Yeah, about 2015. I was locked in on a... Okay, I know how to... Like I, I the, the best advice I ever got was, think of your 2000 most ardent fans or people that are like-minded to you the passionate wrestling fan, 
what would they like? What is their red meat? What are the things that you can consistently feed to them that they will devour? And so I consistently looked for those things and just kept tweeting them out, whether it was little tidbits of information or whether it was opinions on certain things or whether it was anything adjacent that I knew that particular fan base would enjoy. And that's how I grew more than anything. That's awesome. Right. Yeah. Did you know I worked on Jesse Ventura's show and podcast? for? No, I did not. And you need to tell me everything about that. How am I just learning this right now? I don't know. I just, are you serious? Yeah, I'm gonna tell me all about this. It doesn't um, have to be on the podcast, but I need I need a separate hour to catch up with you so you can tell me about this. We could talk about that for an hour. I got so over the years I worked with a production company in Minneapolis on on as a freelance producer on a variety of things. I mean, sometimes sometimes it was like we need you to do choreography for Verizon's national. Was this at your advertising company you were working for? I was on my own for a while. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, even when I was at, when I was at space 150, which is a digital agency, we worked with, we worked with that studio on a number of things and they're just like super chill, cool guys that you just always stay in contact with. So if they had little things come through and they needed someone, they would reach out to me and say, Hey, we like, we can't choreograph this thing. And can you bring in props can you help with wardrobe or can like just little granular things throughout the years and and sometimes i mean even when i was at the wolves like i would take days off to go do like a 3 day shoot with them so i always stayed in yeah. contact but i got this like i got this phone call i had just left the timberwolves and they had gotten a call from aura television and in, in, in la looking for a studio in Minnesota that could be basically the field production house for a show that they were doing with Jesse Ventura. So they came and they outfit the whole studio and they would send me scripts and Jesse would come to the back door. Sweetest pie. Amazing to work with. Honestly, the easiest talent. I've, I've worked with a lot of talent. And he was the easiest person to work with. He was just like the nicest guy. It was like hanging out with like your dad or your grandpa all day. (laughs) Okay. Um, Nice. Very loud. I mean, his voice is just loud, but yeah, they would send a script. They would send updated scripts and I would like powder his nose and put his hair in a ponytail. And it was a really interesting time. We will have a totally separate conversation about it. I need to hear about this. What was the show called? It's called off the grid with Jesse Ventura and his podcast is called we, the people. Wow. Phenomenal. Yeah, I'm going to have to hear all about this. I mean, That's the guests amazing. we had, I mean, we had Donald Trump on the show. We had Henry Rollins on the show. It, almost every wow. wrestler that was alive at the time from the old days was on the show. Had a little bit of like a conspiracy spin to it as Jesse's known to do. Was this, was this before? I guess this was after governor, right? This was after governor. After governor. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I, he still does it now through, I think he's doing it through Russia television, through RT television and wow. they're shooting it out of his home, which is like just down, just on the other side of the lake. Over there. Yeah. He's like my neighbor. What a story. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah I'm getting, you're going to, we're going to have to, I, I need yeah, to hear we'll all about this. Mine. Yeah. 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 I, I have, have some really fun stories around it. And it was, it was at a really interesting pinnacle moment in his life. So I also did a lot of 3am and 4am reads with with him for like cnn and msnbc and all of the all of these press tours that wow he didn't have a cell phone he still he like doesn't have a cell phone so i was his <laughs> cell phone uh very interesting life couple years there okay so wow. personal branding i think i think that a lot of people really kind of dismiss you you kind of talked about looking at things through a certain lens and i talk about like a funnel 
And I think a lot of people kind of dismiss being strategic about their personal brand. So I love that 10 years ago, you were in tune with how to develop a personal brand before that was really a term. There's a lot of apps and tech that's always evolving in the space since Twitter with TikTok and Snapchat. And it's hard to know where to spend your time and energy. I mean, a lot of people that I talk to don't even know what Twitch is. They don't understand Discord. And being being aware and relevant in all of those spaces is important in our in our industry. You just sent me an invitation, I don't know what, two, three days ago for Clubhouse. And I had not heard of it, but since I've joined, the volume of people in the esports industry that are in Clubhouse has blown my mind. And the number of of very, like, I would say really high-end thought leadership discussions are happening every single day in Clubhouse. So tell the listeners of my podcast Mm -hmm. um, what Clubhouse is. And I want to know how, like, how did it get on your radar? Absolutely. Clubhouse is my favorite social media app right now. It is, if it continues in the path that it's on, it might also become the most useful for all of your listeners. In in all honesty, especially for those who are interested in gaming and esports, right now, like you said, there are so many quality people in the industry and there are already groups happening on a weekly basis. Yesterday, I was on a panel for two different I mean, when I say panel, more like a conversation that's happening with two different like eSports 101 and then a video game weekly discussion. Basically, what the app is, is imagine Twitter, but only audio. Imagine you are, you have a profile, there's no text messaging, you simply join a room and people are speaking in the room through their phones, audio only. And you can jump from room to room. You can go by whatever your interests are or whoever you follow. There are rooms happening simultaneously around the world, and they are based on your different interests. So maybe there's a video game discussion happening. Maybe there's a developer conversation happening. Maybe there's one happening about the NBA. Maybe there's one happening about venture capitalists that are looking to invest in companies like today. Actually, as as we record this, there's one happening like a Shark Tank simulator where venture capitalists are coming in and they get to pitch their idea to, sorry, entrepreneurs come in and get to pitch their ideas to venture capitalists in a very Shark Tank sort of format. So there are a lot of innovative ideas happening in all of these rooms in, in the Clubhouse app. So it's a company of nine people. It's very small. It's at the beginning stages. It's invite only, but that is changing right now. It's only on iOS at the moment, but they did say in their town hall on Sunday that they the reason that is, is because they're a team of nine and they haven't hired an Android team yet. Mm-hmm. And that is high on their list. So anyone listening who doesn't have an iPhone, fear not. That's on the way, apparently, according to the Clubhouse team. They just are a very small company. It's one of those situations where the company is growing so fast that the human resource can't keep up, right? So they're going to have to grow at a very fast rate. So I love the app. I found it to be very fruitful. I found it to be very good from a networking perspective. There were like three or 400 people in the video game discussion, and what you can do literally in those rooms is just click on everybody and read their bios. And then oftentimes their Twitter and Instagram are connected or you can find them on LinkedIn. Like It is such a treasure trove of connection. And 
to give you an example of the quality of people, we had the head of marketing for Xbox in our room. We had Jeff Keeley, who uh, hosts and organizes the Game Awards with us. We had uh, I've been in Clubhouse conversations, listening in on people like Mr. Beast, who has what like eighty million subscribers on YouTube, and talking about his success and. Even celebrities like Tiffany Haddish uh, has rooms where she goes into and things like that. Like this is a audio experience for anyone and everyone. And one thing that Zach Weigel, uh, who we both know, he's the um, head of Gamers Outreach, which is a fantastic charity. I sit on the advisory board. It's just amazing. Definitely look it up. He said that like the Clubhouse, especially during the pandemic, is basically replacing the when you go to E3, but then you go to the hotel lobby and the hotel bar and you see all these different people, there's like hundreds of industry people. Basically, that's what Clubhouse feels like because it's like all these random people from different parts of gaming coming into rooms and you can interact with them and connect with them and then start your own private room where you're talking to them. It's almost like that E3 atmosphere. And that's that's what people love the most about E3. And that's why I think people are really going to like Clubhouse for whatever they enjoy, but in particular for this purpose, gaming and esports. Yeah. You touched on something about, you know, individuals who are extremely well known and have millions of followers coming into Clubhouse where no one's paying you to come and join a conversation. It makes me think of, you know, really this shift of free to play in the gaming industry Mm -hmm. and how it really has led to high volume monetization and how that can really transfer to personal brands. What I found when I would be at an event, especially a charity event, and the athletes were kind of contractually obligated to be there was no one took the time to explain to them the value of why they were in the room or even a, or even corporate partners. Like for them to understand big picture of you are in a room with some of top CEOs in Minnesota and You can't predict how long your career is going to be. This is an opportunity for you to network and build relationships that could eventually translate into a future career for you or some type of a strategic connection for the next next space, right? Mm -hmm. The hesitance that I get from pro athletes who are interested in esports is how much will I get paid to go to this esports event? Instead of saying... And some of them do get JT Brown. Like some of these guys understand it where they're like, if you take the time to invest in the esports ecosystem, if you take the time to, to being compensated, the long-term implications on the growth of your personal brand and your brand equity far exceed $10,000 for a tweet or $5,000 to be somewhere for 30 minutes, right? Like, I think it's really interesting the way that the the proliferation of digital modernization has shifted the way people interact with each other and the and the values that that brings. Like if you can mm-hmm. if you're a top professional athlete and you spend the time to build your brand in esports without it'll pay off. asking anything in return those brand partners are going to come right to you. You know, like there needs to be a mental shift. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, that's one thing I, I just, I really want that message like out there. Like this is an industry still 
that's so ripe for audiences to hear what you have to say, pay attention to it and learn from you. So if, if, if you wanted to create a brand within any space, this is the one I think to really lean into. And also partner with people that that have at least some sort of affinity. Like you mentioned Trevor May, he's already an endemic gamer. He's already somebody who loves to stream. And so he's he's somebody that would absolutely be worth partnering with because he already cares and it already feels authentic. Like one thing Mr. Beast was saying was he sees a lot of people doing things that just don't fit them. Right. Like like he just like one of his big projects right now is he launched a burger chain across the country called Mr. Beast Burger. So why on earth would a oh I love that. I'm 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 on a actually one of the best podcasts out there is Office Ladies right now. Yeah. Other than your podcast is 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 the Office Ladies podcast with uh, Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey. I'm listening to all of them. When I'm done listening to your podcast, Rebecca, I listen to theirs. I'm not being paid. I'm just saying that's a good example of monetizing an audience. They've yeah. done a great job. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good podcast. You can feel free to cut that out if you don't want to no, promo any other podcasts. But no, I don't. They do a fantastic job. Not, I love their I'm not in competition with, with that market. Let's so, <laughs> so, yeah. So I just saw the world's best boss mug. I'm like, Perfect. well, my kids bought that for me for Christmas this year. I love it. We had to binge the office one more time before they removed it from Netflix. That was like uh, a thing we did as a, as like a family. Yeah. It's hard to get a 20-year-old and a 14-year-old to want to spend time with me. Yeah. What? Not cool. Mom. Oh man. When does that end? I want to know asking for a friend. You know what? (laughs) I would think that I'm a cool mom. Let's start. I would agree. Yes. However, they don't think I'm very cool. Uh And I once heard that Tony Hawk's kids don't think he's cool either. And if yeah. Tony Hawk's kids went through a phase where they didn't think Tony Hawk was cool, then I'm fine not being cool in my kids. Yeah, I think I'm going to be fine with it too. So <laughs> so Mr. Beast has a burger chain, right? Across the country. Why yeah. is he doing burgers? So his answer was, because I want to do burgers. That's it. Like he loves burgers. He always had this dream of doing a burger chain. So one thing that he basically paraphrased in saying this in one of the clubhouses that I was listening in on he gets a lot of people trying to pitch him things. Hey, play in this sandbox. Hey, do this. Hey, do that. Where some of them might not feel authentic. And that's where that like ask would come in because they feel like, ah, maybe I'll do this once or maybe I'll do this twice. This doesn't feel authentic to me and my brand. So I'll do it once, maybe make, you know, make a couple bucks or even just say no because I don't feel comfortable doing it, which is probably the better option, like you're saying, Rebecca, right? But, yeah. but like, he would prefer people to approach him and say, what do you want to accomplish, right? Yeah. So if you're an athlete, that's the question you should be asking yourself. Trevor May wants to play games. Trevor May wants to stream. Trevor May wants to build his brand within gaming and create that content. And look where it's got him. He's interacting with people like Dr. Lupo and Tim the Tapman and Courage and Action Jackson doing a weekly podcast, right? Like he's right. doing this stuff because he wants to do it. Yeah. And it's building his brand and name value. And Mr. Beast is surrounding himself with people who will help him realize his dream of making a burger chain. That And that's one other way that he can create value for his audience, right? So like, yeah. these are the kind of questions, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with you. Those, those are the kind of questions that not enough people are asking, especially when they already have an audience from something. And it takes time to curate that, right? Like if you wanted to sit down with 
you know, if, if you're misfits gaming where you mm-hmm. have multiple talent underneath one umbrella, if, but t- you should, you know, and maybe they do this. I don't know. I'm just, I just am thinking about them because they're, they're big and they're robust, but they're not like the biggest of the biggest. Mm-hmm. If, if you sat down with every talent within your organization and really uncovered the things that they are passionate about, the products that they use every day, like, are there recreational vehicles that, you know, do you have a four wheeler? Do you bow hunt? Like now that Minnesota is coming out of me, but like, what are the things that, that you engage with often that you're already passionate about? And then from a sponsorship strategy, you can then target. And from a, from a personal brand standpoint, some of the athletes that I've worked with over the years, I've encouraged just to reach out to the brands of products that they're already using and just ask to be an ambassador without getting paid. And they get more of the things they already use, right? Like a new lawnmower. Like that's a real, that's a real one out of like a player from Wisconsin, right? He's purposefully taking pictures and creating content and posting it and tagging them. And this is this altruistic approach. And what it does is it solidifies the brand value and someone from externally may come and reach out and say, you've done a really good job, you know, marketing this brand through your own personal channels we would love to talk to you about our brand. And I yeah. think there's there's a cadence to that. You have to select based on who you are, how you engage with the world and your personal values. Because I've worked with athletes who have lost deals because they've done other partnerships that didn't necessarily meet the values of the brand. I, I talked to a gentleman maybe like three years ago who was working with a pro athlete and the gig was with a soda brand and the the athlete showed up with the competitors, like a 20 a, a ounce uh, bottle of the competitors brand. It wasn't the top tier. It was like one of the subs. So, I mean, the awareness just wasn't there, but those are the things that you just have to do your due diligence on. Like if you're going to yes. do something for a drink, you should intentionally bring that drink with you. Right. Or nothing. Oh, absolutely. At all, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It should immerse you, but you should already want to do that. I agree. And yeah. actually for athletes, for stuff they're already using, or even for pitches, they should ask for samples. They mm-hmm. should ask before they say yes to something, sample it. See if it's something that either you already like or play around with it. Try it out. Try the thing out. If if you like it, well, then you can learn to love it. Or it's something that you didn't know existed and suddenly you're falling in love with it. That happens a lot too. But I have heard a lot of podcasts. I've heard a lot of athletes as well say, we don't engage in any sort of brand deals unless we try the product out first. And that is a perfectly viable ask. If someone reaches out to you and says, we want to partner with you, well, send me the product first so that I can test it out and make sure that it's right for me and my brand. Right. Do people send you stuff? Do you get do you get things in the mail, Arda? Do people send you vitamins? Here and there, yeah, here and there. The last one I got was they did a Doritos campaign for Cyberpunk 2077, where they sent out Doritos from the future to people. And it was like a, a 3D Dorito packet. It was a very well done activation, actually. I thought that it was very smart. Yeah. And uh, it was more for like pr- promotional slash coverage purposes, but Every now and then you'll have brands reach out for certain things. It was, it, it, it's usually more for like pitches for coverage of something. Like one company that I had, thought had a really good idea in the gaming space is a company called Arcade One Up. 
They're based in Toronto, but they uh, do a really good job of recreating arcade cabinets. For those that grew up in the arcade life, you know, there are a lot of games that you remember loving, like the NBA Jams of the world or Street Fighter yeah. 2, Mortal Kombat, yeah. X-Men, whatever it might be. And so what they create... What was your favorite arcade game? What was your favorite? Oh, I was a big NBA Jam guy, for sure. I was a big Street Fighter 2 guy. Actually, would I, that's probably going to be something I, I do when I'm like older is like created a barcade or something to that effect. I mean, barcade's already a trademark name because there's a bunch of them around the country, but like a, an arcade bar of yeah. some sort. What was yours? Joust. Joust. Let's go. Do you remember that game? Yeah, with the ostriches. Ostriches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, and the jousting, <laughs> and you're like grabbing the grabbing the yeah. eggs. Yeah. Oh, those games are so good. So they basically, I think they have Joust in their collection too. They've created three quarter size arcade machines at a fair price. Like it's about like somewhere for like $3.99, $4.99 for a machine, but it comes with multiple games, but it's like curated and they're very, very well done. And actually some of them are Wi-Fi enabled too. So like if you buy NBA Jam, you can play NBA Jam against people around the world, which is like really, really cool actually. That's so dope. they do a good job of like, hitting that nostalgia market pretty well. Yeah, example. I I like that. Like man, you know, for your man cave or your lady cave. Yes, that's right. Just a cave. Just a cave. Just <laughs> it's a cave. <laughs> Underground. It's like a bunker. I feel like everybody is wishing they would have went on the man caves stretch 10 years ago when it was a big hot thing now that they're home 24 hours a day. Yeah, like if you have a good like sanctuary, you are loving it. Saying no problem. Self-quarantine, not an issue. I got everything I need here. I got my 100-inch TV. I got my comfortable sofa and my Lazy Boy recliner or reclining chair. And I got my beer fridge here. And I got my games over there. Yeah. 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 I know. I'm, rent I'm renting a house on a lake, which I moved into a year and a half ago. Nice. And uh, the summer was kind of the best summer, like in terms of enjoying the summer. Yeah. Poor you, um, socially distancing at a lake. Poor you. I know. I know. I would literally <laughs> go out to the dock and like lay on the dock or like fish. And then I'd get like the 15 minute blink on my phone that I had a call and I'd like run in and just like put a shirt on. Like that's just, the life. Like, like little bikini bottoms and like, some, a, a yeah. jacket and a shirt and then like is, do an hour call. And that's that summer life right there. That's that's <laughs> summer living, summer living. That's yeah. like living the best life possible while quarantining. Right. Yeah. And I was just like, I've gone out on the ice three times and, you know, get an auger, caught a few little sunnies here and there, but yeah, lake life, Minnesota life is, is this is kind of like the depressing time of the year here because mm. it's cold and dark and not a lot of sunny days, but being able to ice fish every day definitely helps. I digress. So currently, what are you working on? What are you doing? So I work at ESPN. I do a lot of odds and ends there. Definitely enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. Definitely a dream job. Love it. I also do some esports events on the side. I sort of like host for hire type stuff. Yeah. Uh, I did a Twitch Rivals last month, for example. I'm still the play-by-play -play voice of the NHL Gaming World Championship. Actually, the last time I was in Minnesota was I did an event for the Minnesota Wild. They did a they set up a whole NHL tournament at Mall of America and we hosted. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. That was pre-pandemic, of course. And then inaugural weekend of CDL season one, of course, was hosted by Minnesota. They did a fantastic job. Was it the Armory? I think it was. It was at the Armory. Yeah. And I remember looking for you. I think, I think we, I, I, there was oh, a networking you know, event. Yeah. There was a networking event. And I think you 
you were flying in later. So a lot of us were like, we're all going to meet. And then you were joking about your wife being super pregnant. Yep. And the next day we couldn't find you. That's because she went went into labor. Yeah. Like I, I, I was told by the doctor that you should be okay to go to this event. No, we were asking. I flew in. I I saw you and a whole bunch of other people the night before we all caught up. And then the next day I got a call from my wife saying, uh, I'm in labor. You better come home. So I caught the next flight back to New York and I missed the whole inaugural weekend. I think we were like with the guys from misfits. Yep. 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 like, blue water or something. And then yeah, a couple of outlaws, uh, people yeah. were there. Christy yeah. was there. Yeah, it was, it was a great time. There was a lot of cool people and that like to, to bring it back to what we were talking about earlier, that would be a clubhouse. So like yes. that, like hotel lobby experience that we had that night, that would be a clubhouse where like all the people would just be talking and interacting, but then there could also be a ton of people just listening. Right. So like, that's well, the beauty of it. Could translate easily to be a clubhouse. We would just layer in some more people. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, exactly. It's really cool. I know I need to, I need to lean in a little bit more and learn about how I can like translate what I'm doing into that space somehow, you know, oh, I you, you will, you will succeed super fast. I think you will rapidly rise. Like it, it, it's, it's such a, oh, it's so much, it's such a great app. Anyone listening to this that doesn't know anything about it, please look into it because it's like, to me, it's the best networking tool out there right now. It might go south at some point, but right now, as we talk about this in late January, 2021, especially for gamers and esports, it is a treasure trove right now. It is so good. I think it'll be really great as long as it doesn't get completely swallowed up by by what do they call that mid-level market or not what is that what is it called the triangle pyramid marketing the, uh, like the pyramid scheme the, the pyramid marketing people oh okay okay got you yeah, we have to avoid those how, those those rooms i guess <laughs> we'll avoid yeah those. exactly avoid those pyramid people excited. yeah right like the body oils and the yeah not interested not interested yeah. If you are interested in that, I'm sure you can find the room that you're looking for. I'm sure you could. I Maybe. mean, it's really robust. I know I won't be there, but that's okay. <laughs> no, it's cool. Becca I, and I, I will be in the esports rooms. <laughs> and that's what's exciting is it, it reminds me a lot of Discord, right? Where you can mm-hmm. you can get in and have really catered content specific to what you are, the niche that you're passionate about. Like the yeah. esports 101 that I, I just listened in on. Mm-hmm. What I was looking for in that room were who are the speakers, who, who's the audience that's, so it's like in layers. So like there's this top layer of these little bubble circles of like who the speakers are. And then there's another layer of who's connected to those speakers. And then it's like, who else is in the room, yeah. right? So you don't have to be invited to be in the, like anybody can come in and listen. You don't have to be connected to the speakers. You can just come in. But it was really interesting to, like you said earlier, when we were talking about Clubhouse, going in and reading the bios of the speakers and the people that they're connected to. And I mean, I was just following people on Clubhouse last night. I probably followed like 10, 20 new people that I was like, or people that I saw, like Aaron Ashley Simon was in there. Jess Mm -hmm. Brohard was in there. I'm like, oh yeah, I totally need to be connected with them and Clubhouse want to follow them. So that is just awesome. And it's easy to, and it's easy to like get in on the talks too. You just raise your hand. There's a button that, that you literally raise your hand and then a moderator just brings you up. Like it's such a intuitive app. 
But yeah. and I promise I'm not being paid by Clubhouse. I am not part of the. I'm not an investor. I'm not part of the organization team. I just really like the app. Anyway. Yeah, I'm. I'm liking it too. So for our listeners who aren't already following you, mm-hmm. I'd say maybe there's maybe 25 percent of them who aren't. <laughs> How, how do they, how do they get in touch with you? What's the best way? Is it LinkedIn? Do you want people to follow you on Twitter? Like do a little promo, shout it out. Sure. It's at Arda on Twitter, A-R-D-A and uh, Arda Ocal on LinkedIn. I use LinkedIn a lot, actually. I, I find that to be a really useful resource too, for anything gaming and esports. Lots, lots of quality people are on there as well. And those are probably the two best ones. And Arda Ocal on Clubhouse now. I guess yeah, since we're going to tie a bow on the clubhouse conversation, but uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. And I'm pretty active on social media. I've actually taken a step back a little bit from Twitter. I actually deleted the app from my phone. I One of my resolutions this year, Rebecca, was I'm only going to use Twitter on my desktop. So like, I actually have to seek it out. I'm not going to, because I found myself, especially near the end of the year, scrolling too much on Twitter. Like I, I felt like it was like too addictive and just like, I was just kept scrolling and looking for new news and mentions. And I just, I didn't think it was like a path I wanted to go down further. So I'm like, I'm just going to cut this off. I'm going to delete the app from my phone. I'm still going to have it on desktop, but only in like doses, you know? Right, right. So I'm actually, yeah. Twitter. I, I had Twitter for a long time and uh-huh. then I had a lot of me too moments, you know, being a female that was visible, you know, when I, when I was at the Timberwolves, I sat on the basketball court. Like I sat on the court, like on my bum cross-legged, like I Mm -hmm. had some visibility and like, there was some weirdness happening with some ancillary things around that with fans and whatnot. And like sending me weird things and DMS. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, not, I was like, this is just kind of toxic. Yeah. Yeah. So I left it for a while and now I'm, I'm, extremely intentional about who I follow on Twitter because mm-hmm. it is a really good place to hear about breaking news in the esports industry. I think it's probably the top place where people are sharing information in our industry right now. Yes, I agree. I agree. Yeah. First of all, not cool. We all know this. Definitely not cool uh, what you experienced and had to go through. That needs to end immediately. We all know this. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is not news. Ago, but yeah, like, yeah, but still. It's yeah, still it's happening true. and we still see it and it needs to end yeah. on Twitter. The thing, the thing with like, we were going back to Twitter about how like people, a lot of prominent gamers on Twitter, like their DMS are open, right? Like yeah. the one good thing about that is that you can connect with people on a professional level, like to advance your career or, or make meaningful connections. Mm-hmm. Twitter is definitely good for that, especially in the gaming and esports space. One thing I do like about, I'm sorry to keep harping on Clubhouse. The one thing is, is that you're not anonymous on Clubhouse. Like you're not anonymous, like you can be anonymous on Twitter and you can send, you can troll people. You can send really awful stuff on Mm -hmm. Twitter and you can do it anonymously. But on Clubhouse, your voice is there, right? Right. Like this isn't a messaging thing. This is, you're talking to people. So it's a lot more difficult to say something, you know, offside or rude. Yeah. in a clubhouse than it is to tweet it anonymously. I also feel like clubhouse has been able to identify what has been missing in LinkedIn. Hmm. Oh yeah. Good call. Like the, the quality of content and thought leadership is very business LinkedIn business minded mm-hmm. and LinkedIn is, is accessible, but it's not, it's not conversational. And I really love that Clubhouse is conversational. 
I feel like at this point, Clubhouse should sponsor your podcast. I think well, you should get you know, to the executive team. I will tell you that I will remind <laughs> you that the title of this podcast is The Future of Esports Marketing. So we have to have this conversation about Clubhouse because it it is what is happening relevantly right now yes. in our industry. And it deserves the full hour we gave it, Arda. So what do you guys talk about the hour? Oh, just one thing, really. We'll just pop my little Venmo. I filled in a couple of life stories. I learned you had an amazing career before esports, and I have like a thousand questions after we're done the podcast. But otherwise, Clubhouse. A lot of Clubhouse. Clubhouse. <laughs> Can't believe you're my best uh, friend. You even, you even know. I know. That's, that's a really bad best friend move. I've been that's knocked hard. down a peg. Man. Hey, I have a question, best friend question for you. Are you allowed to have multiple best friends or is it a literal one human being that can only be a best friend uh, as the word best would imply? I mean, I have multiple best friends. So when I say best friend, that's like, that's like my friend Sienna. That's like that best friend. Uh-huh. And then, I mean, I do have like some, best. my friend Ashley is like literally one of my best friends, but we've only been friends for two years. I met her at brick and mortar, which is like a private social club in Minneapolis. And then she invited me to an event mm-hmm. and we went, well, she invited me to the event with a text message that said, I like you. We should be friends. When's your birthday? What's your favorite color? Do you want to go to this event with me next week? Because <laughs> as a female, I appreciate that. Like I appreciate the boldness of a girl making a friend. More people need to do that. Nice. So we've been pretty inseparable for What's two your favorite years. color. <laughs> I love how that was thrown in there. When's your birthday? What's your favorite color? Be my friend. But like, I would say my closest best friend I've been friends with since we were four years old and she lives three hours away and we're intentional to spend time together and talk with each other. And I Mm -hmm. feel like she knows me very, very intimately. You know, she knows my little dirty childhood of like having chicken poop in the steams of my corduroy pants like she knows that version of Holy me moly. growing up in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and you know we're still friends today and she'll come nice. and spend a slumber party weekend here right so yeah like there's i think there's layers of best friends mm-hmm. which above friend. all of them rebecca is it's the we are industry yeah we are industry peers and we get along very well and we decided at the beginning of this podcast that we shall be best friends which now supersedes the childhood friends and what what is your favorite color we don't yeah. care about that we care about best friend status best of which friend i am at the top of the mountain yes. that originated north of the border that's we right. are you know right. yes we did Canada. that's right at that toronto event that was so random that event was so random that's where we met I know, I know. I now I'm thinking about that. I'm like, that's such a random event that it, uh, I miss events like that. I, I really do. It feels that event feels like it was three years ago, but it does. It, it does. Wasn't. It was like August, so it was like a year and a half ago. That was a cool room, though. That and there was like the the Paralympian there. The gold medalist was in there, and then there were a couple of broadcasters. It was a cool room. A couple of venture capitalists. Yeah, it was a pretty cool room. They, they had that event structured very well i mm-hmm. felt like yes. yeah i miss i do miss live events i don't i feel like things aren't ever going to be back to how we used to engage with them mm-hmm. but i am looking forward to like stadia ventures did their their pitch event today mm-hmm. and it was all virtual yeah. and they've been this is the second time we've done it virtually and i have made no new friends but when we were doing them live i would 
go home with people that were like, I was very close with because there's just, you can never replace that chemistry of physically connecting with somebody and, and like feeding off of their, their energy, like their, you know, their vibe. Yeah. That's true. I hope we get a mix. I hope we get a mix of like virtual. I like the idea of having the option to do something virtually, especially if you're participating in it, but Mm -hmm. also the opportunity to be able to be in person to network or to do deals, et cetera. It's going to be interesting to see what the next few years look like once the pandemic's over. Yeah. The ability to speak on an event in London or I've done events in Pakistan since the pandemic where it would have been as a single mother, it would have been a lot harder for me to go and travel and deal with that and figure out, you know, with, with my kids being here and, you know, it would be a lot, a lot harder to go and participate in something like that. And now it's like, my message can get out there. I can be a voice in the room and, and I can do it from the comfort of my home, which is great, but there are elements of it. Like you say, that are, you just, you can't, you can't recreate. So true. Well, thank you for coming on my podcast and just chatting with me, sharing. Best. Your- I'll happily come on anytime you want. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of, we'll do a, you know what we'll do in like six months. We'll do a clubhouse update. Yeah. We'll bring- I, I can be like your clubhouse guy where like every few months I'll be like, so where, where are we in the lifespan of clubhouse and, and networking and marketing? Is well, this maybe good we'll for people? do something on clubhouse. Bam. Yeah. Right there. Right I bet there. you, we will. I bet you, we will sooner than later. Yeah. Well, you're the uh, best, you know, I think that. So I appreciate you having me on. And for all the listeners out there, thanks for listening to me ramble for the last hour and talk about the virtues of Clubhouse. This is just a conversation we would have had without even being on it's a podcast, true. which makes, I think, which is what makes my podcast kind of fun, to be honest. Yes, agreed. Because we have these kinds of conversations all the time and there's value in them, truly. If anybody needs an invitation to Clubhouse... <laughs> Arda and I. It's invite only right now. It Shoot is. us a note. We'll invite you. Yep. Well, and uh, yeah. Thanks so much, Arda. And we will we'll talk offline soon. Okay. Bye, best friend. Bye, best friend. Bye, everybody. <laughs>